Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Today's guest is Meg Mankey. Meg, I've been waiting a long time to have this conversation with you. I'm super excited to have you here today. Hey, Susan, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to visit for a little bit. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Meg? Sure. I uh, grew up in Western South Dakota uh, on a cattle ranch. And uh, anyway, that's a whole story in and of itself. But I I went to uh, college at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. And it was really funny because everybody in my tiny little community said, why are you going so far away to school? You could just go in the state of South Dakota and be cheaper and you'd be closer to your family. And I was really looking for an adventure. So um, they thought that was crazy. And for a long time, that was a little crazy making for me that they didn't understand um, my vision, I guess, uh, for my life. And of course, now as I've grown older and uh, learned what I know now and what we do for our business, I know a lot more about where they were coming from and why it was different than where I was coming from. Um, but anyway, so I went to Creighton. I thought it'd be really neat to get a finance degree. So I got a finance degree and a business ethics degree um, and then decided that financial analysis would be boring uh, to have to worry about and think about for the rest of my life. And somehow uh, the universe uh, knew that I thought that even before I knew it. So my career has always sort of carried me through some sort of people um, d- job uh, or designation within organizations. So I've worked in transportation and logistics, um, in safety and operations, um, also in advertising and hospitality, which is like a prison sentence. I would never do that again. And I really respect <laughs> the people who can tolerate that those industries. Um, and then... Uh, most of my time has been in HR uh, at a gold mine, actually. So um, learned a lot about people. Uh, I And I always joke, people say, everybody loves you. And I'm like, well, that's great because I don't love everybody. But um, in, in, in ways, I really do. And I, I, really engage, I really enjoy engaging with people and helping them solve problems that they can't seem to see their way past. I would I would expect or suspect that you also are able to pinpoint problems they don't even know they have. Oh yeah, it's my favorite pastime is uh, helping people see their blind spots. Um, now, if you ask my sisters, uh, they they don't appreciate it. So I have decided to stop badgering them about their blind spots. Uh, I gave up on them long ago. Uh, but, uh, I definitely other people in my career, people in my life I've come across and certainly clients. Now I actually had a client who periodically from time to time, not a current client anymore, will text me and say, do you ever, do you ever get sick of being right about things that everybody thought you were crazy for thinking about people? And of course my response is no, I, it never gets old. That's awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do with clients? 
Yeah. So we, uh, Rachel Headley, Dr. Rachel Headley, who um, has done a show with you. So for those of you listening, if you want to know Rachel's side of the story, you should find uh, that episode of the podcast on Susan's shows, um, wherever that lives. Um, Rachel and I met probably five or six years ago. We'd known each other for a couple years and, um, we were standing an event in an event. It was like a, supposed to be a professional women's event. And as a majority of the close to 300 women were doing the conga line <clears throat> through a huge event center at the end of the day at this event, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Rachel and I were standing there looking around and saying, is this, is this it? This is how seriously we're going to take ourselves like as professional women. And we're, we want a spot at the table and you're doing the conga. Uh, what gives? So uh, that generated a lasting relationship between she and I, and we have now created uh, some proprietary tools and resources where we help our clients really understand the dynamics of the people that make up their teams by way of measuring chaos and change tolerance. So we help organizations understand what about change people like or don't like, um, and what about being in a team or not being in a team people like or don't like. And so we created a tool uh, for businesses to use, not borrowed from psychology like a lot of the things that we've done in the past, and we measure work preferences, not personality characteristics. So uh, we have a very practical approach. We say that you know the the rubber hits the road for us where accountability and empathy meet uh, within organizations. So we really focus on um, the idea that engaging your people and making sure they understand what the plan is and having structure for them um, is the best way to be productive. And that at the end of the day in business is what's the most important, your people and your productivity. I love that you said that, that you are focused on the intersection between empathy and accountability. That is amazing. That's great leading uh, leadership with EQ. I think that's amazing. Let me ask you, is this your proudest professional accomplishment, this business? Oh, gosh. Um... Yeah, I would say, I mean, okay, so let's be real. In the grand scheme of things, the fact that we bootstrapped this whole deal and created all this cool stuff and we helped so many people is awesome. So yes, it definitely is. Um, but I think that like personally for me, so in my career, yes, personally for me in my career, um, somehow there's a separation between these two things in my brain. I don't know why. When I got my master's degree um, in strategic leadership, I, I really felt good about that. I think maybe it was because, so I, I have two girls. Uh, they're now 10 and 11 years old. Um, at the time they were, oh geez, how old were they? Four and five, probably four and five, five and six. Um, and I was getting my master's degree. It was an online program. Um, I was the HR manager at the gold mine. Um, I was working 50 hour weeks. Um, our schedule was, uh, well, obviously I worked more than our schedule, but our schedule was 6am to 4.30pm, four days a week. So I was working on schoolwork until 11, 12 o'clock at night, getting up at 4.30 to get to work by 6am. 
still being a mom and still trying to, I don't know, suffer through a dying marriage. And so I think as a professional woman, like living the epitome of our, our collectively, our story, that is probably my greatest um, professional accomplishment. Uh, was getting my master's completed and feeling like I did really, I actually did really good and I felt really good about it. So that was like major fist pumping action for me when I got that taken care of. That is awesome. It's very difficult. I too went back and got my master's while a mom raising a young son about the same age, actually. But um, amazing. That's really, I don't think people give credit to or even acknowledge or recognize the demands that it takes to raise kids and get your degree and focus on your work and still try to survive what you called a dying marriage. So um, kudos to you. I can see why that is your proudest accomplishment. And I would, I, I would agree that that's the, the job that is underpaid, under-recognized, and often unknown. So thank you for sharing that. Well, who has been your <laughs> inspirational mentor or maybe even someone who sponsored you along the way? Yeah, I um. I I have two that have really sponsored or inspired me through my life. Um, The first one was a college professor of mine. Her name is Dr. Beverly Crocker. And uh, she just is an incredible woman with um, zero boundaries, uh, but in the healthy sense, (laughs) Um, zero boundaries in that she doesn't believe that anything can stand in her way of being successful. She um, actually went on. So she's the chair of business ethics um, at Creighton. She she fought, I mean, she fought hard to actually make that a, um, a major. Um, and then she went on to create the Business Ethics Alliance, which is a really, really well-attended um, membership association. Uh, they put on lots of events and in the greater Omaha area. And she's just been incredibly successful, traveled all over the world, very gracious. Um, And I think what I really appreciate about her is that she has the tenacity to go get it every day, but she has a really loving, kind heart. And so she has a beautiful way of being assertive. And I I just learned a ton from her um, in that way, because I, um, in all of my years of life, have acquired a beautiful way of being assertive, but it took me some work. So <laughs> I really appreciated the uh, the ability to sort of study her approach uh, to, to human beings. The other one actually is, um, he was, was my employee um, at uh, the gold mine. And so his name is Larry Bakke, and he's really a wonderful, um, optimistic, I don't even know. Like, I think there aren't actually, I'm sure in some other beautiful language, there are words for this, but in the American language, there just aren't any, like he's, he's just so optimistic and, and, but realistically so. And he taught me a lot about having patience, um, and meeting people where they're at and that perception is reality, whether you like it or not. And so understanding that, accepting it and working with it instead of against it is the the fastest way to um, to get through issues and fix problems. Uh, so those two people, I would say, besides my parents, who I just love dearly, who are badasses, and I just, I don't know where I'd be without them. So those two, obviously, but then Dr. Crocker and Larry definitely have been inspirations to me in my life. 
That is super great. Super great. I love when uh, people on my show reference both men and women who have inspired, motivated, mentored, and sponsored them. That's terrific. Um, well, let me ask you this. I personally believe that women need to lift each other up. We all too often put each other down and that's just not okay. What do you advise we do in order to support women in business? You know, Rachel and I have this uh, sort of shared um, uh, perspective, I guess, and we kind of joke about it, but it, this is really how we live our lives. You know, if I have spinach in my teeth, just go on and tell me, because I'd rather that one person noticed it and I could pick it out than 17 people notice it and just think that I'm completely unaware. So I think that um, you know, for whatever reason, there's always such a fight for alpha between females, particularly in business. Uh, and, and I think it's not good enough for us to just say, Hey, lift each other up. Like, what's the matter with you? It's that, that fight for alpha is somehow inherent in our behavior, in our psyche. And so I think it's the small things. The thing I would advise is if you see a run in somebody's pantyhose, spinach in their teeth, their hair's out of place, you know, let them know, even if you're a stranger, because even if at first they're affronted, they're going to be like, man, I am so glad that that one person said something to me and I didn't walk through the airport with toilet paper on my shoe. You know, I just, I think it's the simple things um, to help take care of each other. Uh, and that's what creates new habits so that there isn't a fight for alpha. So what can we do to support women in business, though? I, I get what you're saying personally. If I have spinach in my teeth, you'll tell me. But how can we make certain that we create equity in the workplace? Hmm. Well, um, I, I, I think, well, well, that's a really big question, especially for uh, an HR uh, HR veteran coming from a male dominated industry. Um, I, I would say the, the probably woman to woman, the first thing is really sticking together. Um, I think though, the second thing is to, if someone's not good at something that they're doing, um, if you're in a position, so here's an example. I, as the HR professional, um, had a responsibility, obviously, to help managers make sure performance was being um, managed. And we had an individual who wasn't a high performer, and it wasn't, you know, because she was a female, it was because she wasn't a high performer. Um, so we sat down and I just straight up, I just, you know, I just told her the business. Here's the deal. Here's where you're, you're not performing. Here are the things that you can do to, to improve, be better what questions do you have what kind of help do you feel like you need and i think that uh, men mm, i'm going to make an assumption and say that most men are not comfortable having that conversation with women because they're afraid uh, we're going to get sued if we say that um, so i think that the responsibility of woman to woman is if you're in a place where you can evaluate someone's performance as an hr professional a manager or just a colleague if you can see somebody's you know, not doing good at something, you know, it's like, see something, say something, help them. Because I, my 
challenge has, my greatest challenge for me in my professional career as a woman is I could never get anybody to tell me what I needed to be better at, you know, well, maybe, maybe try, you know, saying things this way or that way, but it was never actually, you know, perfunctory, like here are the basics, here are the things you need to do better. And I thought, I mean, I'm awesome, but I can't be that good. Um, so I think that, you know, perhaps it's that we're afraid, we're afraid to provide critical feedback. So I think that is the, that's the thing that would have helped me the most and has helped me the most is critical feedback. Awesome. Awesome. Am I answering your question yet? <laughs> yes, 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 you are. Um, let me ask you this. What has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? In, in my career or your life. I find it difficult mm, or, okay. or unrealistic. I find it unrealistic for people to separate their professional and personal lives. And I believe there's no such thing as work family balance, but work family integration. So I think it's silly to think that a divorce you're going through wouldn't impact you nine to five while you're at work, for example. So whatever you choose to share with us on your biggest challenge or setback and how you overcame it would be great. Okay. Cool. I agree wholeheartedly um, with your perspective. So this shouldn't be too hard. I think, um, oh golly, talking myself into being the the, um, the butt kicker that everybody saw, that was really a challenge for me in my career, just generally. Um, it, it took me quite a while. I was like, eh, I don't really know if I'm that cool or that good at certain things. I mean, my sixth sense is really being able to watch a couple of people interact with each other. And then I, it's like, it's like Will Smith on the movie old school when he's like, does the thing during the, um, Oh God, what they're like doing a debate or whatever. It's like jeopardy. And he just rattles off all this stuff. And then he like comes to, and he's like, what happened? What happened? I, that's how I, I'm just like, well, this is, what's going to happen. This person's going to do this thing and then they're going to quit and they're going to sue you and whatever. And then, like I said earlier, six months later, somebody calls and they're like, are you sick of being right ever? No. And you should have listened to me. Um, so I think really stepping into that power and like letting, giving myself permission, uh, to be an expert about something that was my biggest personal professional challenge. I think like though the thing that that was the biggest challenge for me out of all of them um just happened last year i am a marathon runner and uh i had never really had any major injuries um not for marathon running anyways uh but last year i had some weird it band issues which for those of you who don't know your it band runs from kind of like the back side of your butt down the the outside of your leg to your knee the outside of your knee and I just was, it was excruciating. And I, I've been bucked off. I, I've broken my nose. I've had concussions. I broke my back. I didn't even know I broke my back. I've had to have ankle surgery. Like I've had some pain, endured some pain. This certainly, even after two labors with no drugs, this IT band thing, like put me to my knees. And I just, I couldn't figure out why that was bugging me so bad. I couldn't work. I couldn't think. I, I just felt like completely out of control. And I realized that the reason I thought physically that it hurt so bad was because 
mentally, I was letting it control everything about my life. Um, and so once I decided like, okay, take a few deep breaths, get your arms around this. You can still, you can heal. You can still run your marathon. You can still train for it. There's time for that, you know? Um, and then I set out researching and figuring out what, you know, what I needed to do to get healthy again. Cause I had been trying a few things, chiropractic care, physical therapy was not helping. Um, so once I decided to take control of it, instead of being a victim to it, um, it drastically changed my approach. And, and as you might've guessed, I got better, uh, pretty quickly as a matter of fact, um, once I did that. So I think that was sort of my biggest aha moment, uh, biggest challenge that I overcame to really reminded me that you can manage through any situation, even physical pain, you can manage through, you just have to set your mind to it, decide what you can control, decide what you can influence, let go of worrying about everything else and just sift through the stuff that you can, that's right in front of you. That's very powerful advice. Let me ask you this. So I, I normally pose the question uh, to my guests to tell us something surprising about them. Um, themselves, but you mentioned that you broke your back and didn't know it. That's pretty darn surprising, I would think. Um, what would you like to share that's a surprising fact about you? Um, well, let's see. This is the one that I always want to share that Rachel really rolls her eyes about. I can spool, I can blow spit bubbles. Not This is not... I don't do it right now during the pandemic, but <laughs> I can blow spit bubbles off of my tongue and they don't like their whole bubbles. So that's my weird fun fact. Um, I had to practice a lot to get good at that. Um, I would say the thing that like is surprising to people that don't really know me or how I grew up when you see my zoom picture come up and it's me on a horse, uh, roping people are like, what, what, what is that? What are you doing? Is that you? Um, so I think that's kind of an interesting fun fact. Uh, the story about my back being broken, actually two years, this year at Christmas will be three years ago. I slipped somehow and fell down my, uh, my stairs in my own house. Luckily my parents were there because I very promptly passed out and was sick. Uh, never passed out ever of all the other things being bucked off horses and everything else never passed out. So my dad said, we're going to go to the emergency room. So we went to the emergency room and the doctor whose bedside manner was, um, you know, that of maybe a German soldier during world war II was really irritated with me after I'd gotten my x-rays. And he's like, well, you didn't tell me you had a broken back. And I'm like, I didn't know I had a broken back. He goes, well, yeah, your L1 is completely fractured all the way across. How could you not know that? And I'm like, I don't know, but that would explain why I have a lot of mid back pain, especially, you know, as I was learning to run, you know, and I had to run differently because it hurt my back. And, uh, so I said, well, did I break my back this time is what I'd like to know. Well, no, no, in, no fractures this time. So I, I guess that kind of confirmed for me, uh, I am really actually as tough as nails, uh, which is maybe not a good thing. Cause I bet I'll have some arthritis someday. <laughs> interesting story. I mean, I might have said to my doctor, I think it's your job to tell me that. But since you uh, were able to cope and manage with that, what I would imagine is to, to most people an excruciating pain. Um, that's pretty, you know, Avenger-like <laughs> superpower right there. Um, 
let me ask you if, if I think you should take a moment to tell us a little more about your business, what you do, where you work. And then I'm going to ask you to tell people how to reach you if they want to know more. Okay. Uh, yeah. So our business is called Rose Group International and we, uh, we work with organizations and we do everything from one-on-one -on -one executive coaching to working with an executive team all the way through mid-management coaching and even frontline supervisor training. Um, we can work across all industries because people are, are our business. Um, industries that we have the most experience in are manufacturing, uh, financial services, and nonprofit and, and government sectors. Um, we've also done some stuff in aerospace, which is pretty, pretty cool and pretty fun. Um, and uh, so we engage with organizations to help them understand uh, and measure, give them quantifiable data about the change tolerance or how people like change or don't. Some people it really freaks them out and some people prefer it and maybe even stir the pot or cause change that doesn't need to happen. Um, and then we really also focus on, are people team driven? Do they like to make decisions in a group or are they uh, more self-driven and they prefer to have an opportunity to think about something on their own before they go to the group to talk about uh, what the next steps might be. So. Um, by way of measuring these work preferences, we then provide a scatter plot to the organization to help them understand their people. And then we lay over some project management tools and change management, um, some proprietary tools that we've designed to really help you get people through change um, more productively and more quickly uh, so that you don't have that spike in uh, turnover and so you don't have that decrease in productivity while you're going through changes. I sound, it sounds to me like you flatten the curve, so to speak. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, I love what you do. I know what you do. I'm familiar with your group and with you and Rachel and what the good work that you do. I should say great work that you do. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. If people want to reach you, how can they do that? Yeah, the best way to find all of our contact information and how to get out to our social media um, is to go to our website. So it's rosegroupintl.com. And of course, if you search us on any of the social media platforms, um, you'll find us all those places. So it's Meg, M-E-G, Mankey, M-A-N-K-E. And again, our business name is Rose Group International. Well, one closing thought from me to you, Meg, is I think you guys are terrific, or gals, I should say. And I think that you look like you have fun doing what you do. So I think that's important. People want to work with happy people, with people who enjoy what they do. And I know uh, that you and Rachel have fun together. I watch your live updates and I think you're terrific. Uh, so thank you for being here. And I'm so glad that we had this chance to talk. And I think it's really cool that you're a roper. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, it's, uh, it's served me well uh, over my years learning to be athletic in different ways. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, Susan. You bet. You bet. Thanks so much. And folks, look for the blog about Meg coming out within 48 hours. Have a great day, everybody.